Welcome to the Washington Weekly, a ministry of Washington Baptist Church. This podcast is devoted to getting you into God's Word and equipping you to serve. I'm your host, Trent Henson, Associate Pastor. In today's episode, I'll tell you about a man who truly believed in the persistence of prayer. I'll also interview Reverend David Lida, the pastor of Little Stevens Creek Baptist Church. David is a product of Washington, as he was licensed, ordained, and sent by Washington Baptist Church. This week, in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, our pastor, Dr. Drew Hines, preached on Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. He explained how verses 7 and 8 show us that prayer is our blessing, a gift that comes from being part of God's family. God tells us to ask, seek, and knock. These words call for us to be persistent in prayer and to have the proper perception when we pray. Drew also explained how verses 9 through 11 highlight God's benevolence as our loving Father. He provides and decides, so God knows what we need and He gives us what we need. This passage reminded me of a man named George Mueller. George Mueller lived in the 1800s in Bristol, England, and he had a passion for those children less fortunate. He wanted to open orphanages to meet their needs. The problem was he didn't have the means to make that happen. So instead, he just turned to God in prayer, and he said that God would provide for this mission. And God did. Over time, George Mueller was able to take care of over 10,000 orphans. And they say that over half a billion dollars in today's money went through his hands because of answers to prayer. Mueller kept a prayer journal, and he had recorded over 50,000 specific answers to prayer in his journal, thousands of which were answered within minutes or the day of his prayer. But many of those were not answered quite so quickly, as he was a man of persistence when it came to prayer. When he was 40 years old, he was determined to pray daily for five friends he knew were not Christians. And after 18 months of praying daily, the first friend turned to Christ and trusted Him as his Savior. Another five years passed before that second friend trusted Christ. Six years after that, the third friend trusted Christ. And after 36 years, those two friends still had not accepted Christ. But he wrote to someone and said, quote, I hope in God. I pray on and I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be, end quote. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray for these friends daily, these final two friends were converted and trusted Christ as, his, as their Savior. But that happened shortly after Mueller's death, where some even say they came to Christ because of Mueller's funeral. When Mueller was approached by people in his lifetime of how he was so persistent in prayer, he said that there were five conditions which provided him assurance of his answer to prayer. And each of these five conditions are based in Scripture. The first one was, he said, I have not the least doubt because I am assured that it is the Lord's will for people to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 said, God desires that men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. His second condition was that I have never pleaded for their salvation in my own name, 
but in the blessed name of my precious Lord Jesus and on his merits alone. As he said, John 14, 14 says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The third condition was he said, I always firmly believed in the willingness of God to hear my prayers. Because Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Mueller's fourth condition was, he said, I repent of my sin. For Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And his fifth condition, he said, I have persevered in believing prayer and shall continue until that answer comes because Luke 18, 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. See, Mueller was a man who continued to pray, continued to seek God, and even kept a journal of when God answered those prayers. He is a man of great faith when it comes to prayer, and especially persistence in prayer. He once wrote this, The great fault of the Christian of God is, they do not continue in prayer. They don't go on praying. They do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. He has given me, as unworthy as I am, immeasurably above all I have asked or thought. Let this challenge us all in our relationship with God and in our prayer life. My guest today is Reverend David Lida. Uh, David was a member at Washington for a while there, and I was able to teach Sunday school with David um, for a while. And so, David, I'm glad you're able to join us today. Thank you, sir. Uh, tell us a little, a little bit about your family. All right, my wife and I, Beth, we have been married for 11 years, August 15th, and we have one daughter, Natalie, who's eight years old, and Natalie basically just remembers Washington. We went to one other church before Washington, but it was only about five minutes from our house in Greer, and she really loved everything in Washington, but we were there probably maybe like five or six years. Well, how did your time at Washington prepare you to be a pastor? Lots of opportunities in, in serving in the church. And I particularly remember from Bible studies, the Experiencing God sessions. And I think that's a common, common thing for people at Washington, just how much that Bible study has meant. And that was really kind of very eye-opening. And that was early on when we started attending the church. I think the biggest thing in serving at the church that prepared me was working in Awana. And I worked with the TNT group, which was, I believe, third through fifth grade. And the thing that really opened my eyes to that was that the kids, unlike teaching adults, they would ask the hardball questions. They would ask you things that you would not have on your notes to be prepared for when you <laughs> went in there. Right. And the big thing I think that was eye-opening for me with that is realizing that your audience doesn't always know what you're talking about. You know, they don't always have all the church lingo. And we're very bad about that in church of saying words and things that even all the acronyms we use in church, Oana, WMU, what does that mean when someone comes in? But I remember particularly teaching them about the Trinity and telling them that Jesus was God. And that just blew their minds. Like most of the kids in there had never heard that said before. And most of them had grown up in church in some capacity with that. And it was just very eye-opening. And I think that just continually reminds me when I'm teaching about Jesus to stress who he is. And one professor I had 
and at Southern Seminary, Dr. Stephen Wellams, he always would say, God the Son in the flesh. And I noticed that he would, wouldn't say the Son of God, but God the Son in the flesh. And I asked him about that particularly. And this was uh, around a similar time when I was teaching the kids. And he said, yeah, you know, I am very particular in saying it that way to make sure I emphasize the fact that Jesus is God. But just dealing with the kids, and I mean, those sessions were great. I had opportunity to really preach to them for a little bit. And it was also like a, a mass uh, group council session at the same time. That's right. But yeah, yeah I think the, my experience in Awana and TNT was really one of the biggest. Well, that's it. And I think if you start using those gifts that God has given you, you see what God can do through you and what leads to the next step. So that's great. Absolutely. Well, today you are now the pastor at Little Stevens Creek Baptist Church in Edgefield, South Carolina, which is where we are right now. As you've asked me to come here to this church and uh, preach a series of revival sermons, and I'm very thankful for that. So tell us a little bit about Little Stevens Creek Baptist Church. All right. Little Stevens Creek has been here since 1789. So a lot of history, a lot of... Uh, neat stories about pastors that have gone through here. John Lake, who was a missionary to, I think it was China, for, for a leper colony. He was actually a pastor here for a period of time, and also the pastor that did the inaugural prayer, Jefferson Davis even, was a pastor of this church. So lots of interesting history, uh, but you know, God's been faithful to this church for many, many years, and they've had several pastors here, especially in the last probably like 50 years, that were first-time their first churches. Wow. So this is, I'm just kind of continuing that legacy. Been here since January and had no idea that a plague was coming. That's right. <laughs> Soon after that. That's it. But it's been great. We were able actually, the way our church is set up, we have a fantastic porch on the front with a big open area in front of the church. So we were doing drive up and we never closed the church though, you know, the whole time through this, just put some speakers outside. I learned to be a lot louder of a pastor being on the porch, too. So I'm probably yelling at everybody that's inside now. But we're still trying to deal with the coronavirus. I know Washington has, too, trying to just figure out what the what each week really brings to us. And we've got speakers running outside in our fellowship hall and also in our sanctuary with all the fun social distancing things. That's it. Yeah, every church is trying to figure this out. So, yeah, well, I've enjoyed getting to know some of the people here at Little Stevens Creek. Uh, last night I had... Quite a few come up and talk to me. We're very friendly. So I've had a very good experience here. I'm looking forward to the services tonight. And I guess my final question for you would be, and I think a lot of people are interested in this, is can you tell me a little bit about your call into the ministry? Sure. Well, in kind of hindsight, just looking at all the different things God had placed in my way as I was growing in Him, for uh, several years I actually played in a Christian rock band. And I Looked like John the Baptist and scared a lot of people with that. <laughs> but it was uh, an eye-opening time because I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And I went to the same church the entire time from the time I was born up till when Beth and I got married. So all I ever knew was one church until I started playing in my band. And we would play at various different non-denominational churches, different denominations. And that was very eye-opening. Still didn't really necessarily feel the call to, to be a pastor at that point. Beth and I got married, and Beth comes from a Pentecostal background, and that was another uh, very eye-opening experience of just kind of seeing her background versus what I had grown up in. And she had actually been uh, taught some, some very different things and very doctrinal specific things that I guess in growing up I didn't even hear. I didn't know there was a difference, you know, in belief so much. 
And we went to a Pentecostal church, actually, when we first got married, and I got an opportunity to teach Sunday school there. And the pastor of the church was in our Sunday school class, and he really enjoyed a particular one I did on sin. I had gone through and pulled out several lists that Paul goes through of just different sins, and he was like, would you share that with the church with us one Sunday? So that was my first time actually behind the pulpit. I got to, to do a sermon on sin, and... Probably a couple months later, the pastor was sick, and he, someone asked me if I would do a sermon just on the fly. Mm -hmm. And I had been teaching Sunday school just some material I've been putting together, so I used one of my Sunday school lessons and got to preach again. And, you know, over and over again, I kept feeling like the Lord was pulling me in, in some direction, but I didn't know what it was exactly. And Beth had been told her whole life that she was going to marry a, uh, a pastor, be a pastor's wife. She wow. thought she got out of it That's <laughs> when right. I got married. But, yeah. you know, just continually going in that direction. And I, I was working in healthcare at the time, too, and moved my way up into management. And I can see now that that was definitely a time that God was preparing me again to, to work in a church. You know, you, you're working with a lot of people and having to make hard decisions and everything like that as well. But as I was doing that, we eventually got over to Washington and it was during that time that I just felt God's call. I remember writing to actually pick up Beth in Greenville and I was listening to a, a CD by the, a Christian rock band Skillet. And I don't even remember which song it was, but I just remember vividly God saying, who's gonna go? You know, I was just thinking about all the, the suffering in the world, all the sin in the world, and just what we were facing at, at that time. And I was like, I know it's me. I know that's what you've been calling me to all this time. And that's really where I felt that, well, that's my next step. So where do I go from here? And I was finishing up my bachelor's of business at the time. So after that, I started a seminary, but I had opportunity at Washington to teach with Sunday school class with you and in Awana and then the Sunday school director and just lots of continually things building up to where I was going and ever since I had the calling and Pastor Drew actually licensed me to preach and that was like two years before I came to to Little Stevens Creek and I you know put my my resume out to several churches especially in the Greer area had no idea about Edgefield anything about it at all really and my resume was up on the, the Southern Baptist website, and they had gotten it, and I had no idea. They called me out of the blue when I was actually filling in at another church as well. And, you know, just over and over again, seeing God's confirmation of where he was calling me to. And here we are in Edgefield, a town that's got tons and tons of history, but it is not Greer. It is not Greenville. You can actually see the night sky. <laughs> That's right. No city here. We have uh, honor coolers in the town. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a slower pace of life. And I, I really like it. Never would have chosen to necessarily move to Edgefield because it was requiring us to sell our house and move away from family. But there is no doubt in my mind that that's where God has uh, called us to. That's it. Well, yeah, I, th I think a lot of you and, and like I said, we, we have a connection in our journeys together. And I was able to uh, play a role in your ordination service and that you were able to come to mine yep. and uh, that we're both products of Washington and uh, what the Lord has done there. So really enjoyed your time today and thank you for sharing. Thank you, Trent. David mentioned how his service in Awana helped prepare him for pastoral ministry. Awana is an acronym for approved workmen are not ashamed. It is based on the verse 2 Timothy 2.15 
which says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Awana is a Bible-based discipleship program for children. Our Awana this year will be going virtual. Preparations are being made now. Parents may be receiving a short survey about internet and device availability, as well as their favorite platforms. The goal is to start virtual meetings on Sunday afternoons sometime in September. We plan to have a minimum of two adults per live video session. They're in need of leaders who can lead a live event with four or five clubbers on a Sunday afternoon, or virtual chaperones who can assist these leaders during the live events. If you'd like to help or if you want more information, please contact Heidi Mangum, Missy Farr, or Misty Deer. You can also email awanawashington2005 at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Washington Weekly. Washington Baptist Church is located at 3500 North Highway 14 in Greer, South Carolina. Check us out online at WashingtonBaptist.org. Remember to like, share, and follow this podcast as you get into God's Word and prepare to serve.